Hey, everybody. This is the first of hopefully many more episodes of Important Records. What it is is a kind of a simple idea. Three people talked about three records that meant a lot to them for one odd reason or another. And then a performer performed song, songs, multiple songs, sometimes one song, from the album. Pretty basic idea. I don't even know if this needs an introduction. I just want to say thank you to Saki Records. It's at 3700 Fullerton. It's a record store in Chicago, Illinois. It's incredibly clean. <laughs> they have wonderful in-stores, great people. Go buy their records. They are very good people. Saki Records. Uh, once again, I just want to let everybody know we have two exciting events coming up in September. We will be giving away tickets to Riot Fest featuring Mr. Iggy Pop, who we love on this show. Iggy Pop will be there, Elvis Castello, etc. And also, we have two neat things going on, September 21st and 22nd. So stay tuned for that. Here is Important Records, recorded at Saki Records last Saturday. Hey, everybody. How are you? Fantastic. A slow clap is better than no clap. That's what I've said for years. That's that old Irish saying. Hello, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Welcome to Important Records. You're in a record store. It worked out well. Uh, Thanks to Saki Records. It's a fantastic record store. You're already in here. Why am I selling this? Oh, yeah, we're recording this for a podcast if it turns out well. If not, oh, oh. So we have a thing to remember, like, we should try harder. So we're going to try real hard. But it's called Important Records, and there's three people that are going to talk. Don't worry. They're all a bunch of guys with shitty beards. No, James is a good beard. I have a shitty beard. Medium beards. And we're going to talk about records, and the reader likes it, which I don't know what that means. So, yeah, so James is going to talk about a record. Leo is going to talk about a record. I'm going to talk about a record. That's boring. I get that. But to make it good and better and awesome, we're going to have people perform those records. Not in an entirety, because that's absurd. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. They're going to perform songs from said record, and they mean a lot to us, and that's why it's t- called important records, not like best records. We're not saying things about taste. I'm rambling, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to bring up James Fritz. James Fritz is a Chicago comic. He's uh, one of my favorites, and uh, the Chicago Reader said he was the best comic in the city last year, and I completely agree. And he's going to be talking about... I'm not going to talk about what you're going to talk about, because you're going to just do it right now. So, ladies and gentlemen... Give me your ears, give me your eyes, put your hands together for James Fritz. Uh, this is going to suck. Um, no, I don't mean the show, I mean me. I've been drinking all day uh, in preparation to talk about uh, Black Love by the Afghan Wigs because it's uh, one of my favorite records ever. And um, so I've just been like day drinking and getting like bitter about love. And because <laughs> I don't even have a printer, so I'm going to be reading off my phone, which is very unprofessional. But um, yeah, I love this record. A lot of people like, uh, yeah, last night in order, I was like, shit, I really need to sit down and, and figure out what I'm going to say. So I just got like blackout drunk and blared the record for like three fucking hours straight, driving my roommate, like scream singing along. And she was like, what is wrong with you? Because she'd never heard the album before. And I'm like, I'm in a dark place, but it feels awesome. Like... <laughs> And that's what I love about the Afghan wigs. Like, a lot of people like Gentlemen the best. I call them children. Those are children who like that album the best. I mean, it's a great record, but that's like high school anger shit. I got a dick for a brain. My brain's going to sell my ass. It's funny. But fucking Black Love, I found out uh, when I was researching this that he originally, Greg Dooley, uh, the front man of the Afghan wigs, was uh, trying to get a film noir made. And uh, it never took off, so he used all the songs he was writing about that for this album, which makes a lot of sense because there's like a weird murder vibe throughout, but it's like he's murdering love throughout the album. And um, I just, uh, yeah, I know I'm doing great. 
Um, this isn't my A material. Um, but, like, uh, yeah, I just think it's kind of more mature. It's, like, as mature as they a- I ever wanted them to get, though. Like, I like 1965, which came out afterwards, but it kind of felt like adults doing, like, an Afghan wigs thing. But, like, Black Love, it's, like, that perfect thing. And it's, like, like I put it on when I want to, like, self-hate, self-pity, and feel better about myself all at the same time, which is a weird thing for an album to be able to do. There's, like, like 20 kinds of catharsis. Like, running through that record. Um, and it's like... And they... What did I say? Uh, <laughs> they make fuck music, basically. Like, all their songs are about fucking, which is cool, but it's like... It's all bad fucking. Like, it's all... There's a romance, but it's like a really damaged romance to it. And, like, for, like, such a fuckable album, because the groove is there. Like, there's a definite groove you could fuck to if your relationship was on the brink, you know? But you wanted to have... <laughs> Re- one really good last hate fuck session. But I never fucked to this record. I just remember listening to this record, putting it on after a relationship had ended and just chain smoking in my car with the windows down and blaring it and like run- like driving around just like playing the drums on my steering wheel like a madman. Like maybe I'd cry, but <laughs> not a lot. And that's what I like. The beauty of this band, I think, Um is that you got like a pudgy white dude from Cincinnati in the 90s who really wishes he was a black female soul singer in Motown in the 60s. And I love that dichotomy. And like part of me was fantasizing that I kind of wish he was. Greg Dooley had been a Motown singer in the 60s because like I think like if he had been an artist back in the day, he would have done too much blow on like some dirty, rainy, cliched night and stab Barry Gordy in his dry, lifeless, beef jerky non-heart. <laughs> Barry Gordy's an awful human being. Right? Yeah. He's an awful human being. Um, but <laughs> I came home drunk with love and other things. That's one of my favorite lines on the record. And like, that's the difference in the writing, I think, from Gentleman to Black Love. It's a, it's a lot more ob- oblique. Um, it's not as specific, and it's it's such an atmospheric record. It does feel like a like a film noir kind of, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I always, and I was also thinking, I really for some reason when I was listening to the records again, I was like, they they sound a lot on paper, almost like Leonard Cohen. Like I always, I wish Leonard Cohen could front could do a project with the Afghan Wigs because they kind of sound like Leonard Cohen. Like if like if Leonard Cohen found a wet bag of coke next to a backup singer on methadone outside the green room door in like an alley in Cincinnati instead of Eastern philosophy or whatever he found. Like that's what the Afghan wigs are. And uh, yeah, they're needy. And, uh, and he's very open and honest about how needy and vulnerable, vulnerable he is on the record. And I think that's what I respond to. And that's why it's an important record. To me. And also, uh, Gabe Leibowitz from the awesome band Dastardly is going to play the first track off this uh, album called uh, Crime Scene Part 1. And me and, G- and Gabe and I actually, I, went, I road tripped with him to Austin uh, a couple months ago. And I think we listened to Black Love like at 3 in the morning in the middle of like that, what is it, 16-hour drive? 21-hour drive. I think we listened to it like three times straight through when the rest of the band was sleeping and we were just screaming. And he almost let me smoke in the van. So I appreciate that. And he's a great musician. Uh, Give it up for Gabe. Uh, Thanks for listening.
Tonight I say goodbye
Thank you. That was very good. Thank you, Gabe. Hey, Gabe, is any dastardly music in the store? I have five CDs for sale independently. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Oh, yeah, go to Amazon. You're not in a record store. Lior is not a comic. He's a man that writes about music and gets paid to do such thing. He's a rare bird. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be talking about Fugazi. Please put your hands together. <laughs> I'm thinking of Jaleel. For Lior Galil. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, Brandon, thank you for saying I had a beard. It was very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The nicest thing anyone said about my facial hair. Um, anyway, thank you everyone for coming out. Um, I have a little speech prepared. Uh, I did not drink to prepare for today. Uh, boo. <laughs> if, if anyone is familiar with Fugazi. Uh, anyone? Hello? Cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. <clears throat> okay. Um, usually when people talk about Fugazi, the conversation focuses a little more on how the band got things done than what they actually did. Many music fans enjoy canonizing the groups they love, and Fugazi often gets placed in the upper echelon of a number of genres, rock, punk, post-punk, partially because of the feats the band accomplished independently. Fugazi sold millions of records, they turned down deals from every major record label, and performed thousands of shows for fans of all ages around the country and the world. And yes, they did it themselves. All that somehow made the group superhuman in the eyes of the public. It's an odd thing to consider seeing as Fugazi's DIY idealism came out of a rather pragmatic wish on the part of the four members, Ian, Brendan, Guy, and Joe, to make the music they wanted to make on their own terms. That's a pretty reasonable thing to want, and in fact, it is a pretty human desire. That streak of humanity is part of what makes Fugazi's music so compelling. Few bands have created music about things like body politics, the constraints of language, and gentrification with the kind of emotional insight that Fugazi brought to the table. Throughout the years, the group created great songs that pinpoint insightful observations about our society and existence and underscored those points with visceral and anthemic grooves. Lyrically and aside, one of the more engaging thematic elements of Fugazi's last album, album which is The Argument, which is an important record... Um, Yes, yes, thank you. Um, Remains under the surface of every song. Everyone experiences the subject at hand, and yet it's something many musicians avoid like the plague. Uh, That unspoken thing is aging. Uh, Pop music is typically myopic when it comes to age. Who booed? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Anyway, uh, pop music is typically myopic when it comes to age. In the words of 80s German synth-pop act Alphaville, most musicians would prefer to remain forever young. Anyone? (laughs) Cool. Um, This is why I'm not a stand-up. Whereas other cultures revere old age and the wisdom that comes with it, pop music, and by proxy American culture, which is the bedrock of rock and roll and basically everything that came out of that, um, values youth above everything else. 
there's something almost virtuous about musicians who die at an early age and something disdainful about those who choose to carry on past their perceived prime. Jack Black addressed this in the 2000 film High Fidelity when he questioned the career arc of Stevie Wonder, asking, is it better to burn out or fade away? In pop music, old age is a fate worse than death. When the argument came out in 2001, Fugazi had been together some 14 years. Um, some would prefer to remember guitarist and vocalist Ian MacKay as the scowling teenage frontman of iconic h- hardcore group Minor Threat, but when the argument came out, he was nearing his 40th birthday. He actually just turned 50. Um, cool. Pucks. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a time of transformation for both the members of Fugazi and the punk scene the, in the band's hometown of Washington, D.C. Uh, from the sound of the argument, Fugazi reveled in that environment. While plenty of musical acts peter out after a few albums, hence Jack Black's omnipresent fade away comment, Fugazi sounds fresh and enlivened on the argument, its seventh album. There's something from all the major phases of Fugazi's career on this album, from the righteous indignation and populist caterwauling of ex-spectator that harkens back to the band's first recordings to the complex, low-key, melodic life and limb that's reminiscent of the group's previous full-length end hits. Uh, I actually, that was my first Fugazi record that I bought. Uh, I was pretty unknowingly going in and purchasing that record because I was like, oh, it says hits in the title. It's got to be all hits, right? <laughs> it took, took me a while. Um, Informed by decades of toying with elements of punk, funk, jazz, and even hip-hop, Fugazi pulled all of these disparate elements into a beautiful, cohesive whole. Indeed, the argument is derived from the group's long-developed history, a testament to its members' symbiotic musical relationship and years of wisdom. The argument is filled with wise ruminations on things like citizenship and scene politics. It's an excellent example of how a punk band can continue to grow and evolve despite the perceived limitations of age, and yet, many of the words I try to put down to describe its elegiac moments, uh, its elegiac statement on the process of growing old feels like a misnomer. Mature seems wrong because Fugazi exhibited an unrivaled thoughtfulness since its beginning. Developed also feels incorrect as Fugazi cha- uh, constantly challenged and changed its sound with every new album, and settled is just plain wrong. Uh, in an effort to try and summarize the power of the argument, plenty of people, myself included, uh, have called it a swan song a term that, uh, that evokes a magnificent beauty often seen in a final statement by a seasoned artist. Fugazi went on indefinite hiatus nearly two years after the album came out, making the argument its final full-length effort. Um, that is, unless the band decides it might regroup, maybe, maybe not, who knows, it's, it's still up in the air. Um, sure, the argument exhibits an age grace, and in retrospect, calling it a swan song seems apt, given the band hasn't played a show in nearly a decade, but the record doesn't quite sound like a final statement. It sounds like four dudes who have just discovered a well of inspiration to draw upon and are using their decades-long relationship and musical wisdom to explore new sounds. Uh, LA's Youth Youth Brigade, once referred to creative stagnancy, of many great musicians have exhibited over time by saying old punks don't die, they just cash in. Um, With the argument, Fugazi made aging a vital part of its DIY aesthetic and made it sound as good as anything the newcomers could dish out. So thank you for for bearing with me as I stumbled over that. Mike Riga from Indian Wife is going to perform some songs from Fugazi. So, thank you. You got it.
pit bulls bright the grip is sewn into the reins can't breathe it out you just have to breathe it back again Chamber pack your pistol full for no reason you can name. Boiling bag, blood supply, you know it's murder on the veins. But you feel it now. Viva, viva, viva life and limb. Viva, viva, viva threatening. Viva, viva, viva life and limb. Viva, viva, viva threatening. Hey. Want a violent stubble? Hey, a violent stubble. The national supply, you know. Written on your face Etched and scratched and mirrored back Don't you know it's all the rage Can't you feel it now Viva, viva, viva Life and limb Viva, 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 threatening. Viva, 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 life and limb. Viva, 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 threatening. Hey, you want a violence double? Hey, want a violence double?
nothing grows right anymore. Scars on every stalk. Whose mouth should I use to talk? Force and marks the routine. Temperature, whatever degrees, creates the bad thing. Lay our heads in it now. Production stopped. I'm a warehouse filled with junk. Some something to some someone's. Tracking time, the tracking eye. Tectonic shifts, one nerve at a time. I lay my head in. Concrete goes on for miles, hiding cities under it. Fill my mouth with non-mouth spit. There's a light at the window. There's a light at the door. But it's not there anymore.
when they start falling, executions will commence. Sides will not matter now, no matter making sense. And how can a difference become a disease? No, you have reasons, rational defense, weapons and motives, blood. But I can't help thinking It's all a now so here's what's striking me some punk could argue moral ABCs when people are catching when bombers release and I'm on a mission to never
Thanks. Yeah, I'm not like Fugazi. I'm here to make money, goddammit. Because I'm I'm Brandon, uh, my name is Brandon Weatherby, and I really you don't need to do that, Lior. I already fucked up your last name. I didn't even say mine. My name is Brandon Weatherby. I'm in a weird place, guys. I'm in a real weird place. So I'm going to talk about a guy who willingly killed himself because he's a dummy. I'm ta- you guys, ha- let's have Rockfall set up while I'm doing this because that's one of the things I liked about Nirvana. I'm going to be talking about In Utero. It's my favorite record of all time. It's the most important record in my life for many reasons, and I'm going to talk about some of those reasons. I did a bunch of, not research, because my whole fucking life for this record has been research. Um, I, I sketched out notes on each song, and I uh, s- sort of like figured out how long this would be if I said everything, and it'd be two hours. I have two hours on in utero, first draft, by the way. I'm not going to do that at all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it down. I'm going to trim the fat like Nirvana would. I'm going to talk about a 41-minute record for hopefully not 41 minutes. I'm going to go in order because each song means something to me. I got feelings and I'm in a record store, okay? This is stupid. I know it. We're talking about stupid things, important records. It's a joke, guys. I didn't know if you knew that. It's a joke. None of these records mean a shit unless it's to you. I get that. It's a hyper-personal thing. And we talked about two... No, just mine. My record is a hyper-personal record, um, even though it sold 5.8 million copies. It's a very, it's a real intimate, it's like the Elliott Smith of Nirvana records. That doesn't make sense. Um, I did not have that written down. I have the least cool of the three records. Nirvana is not cool at all. Once you're on a major label, you're not cool. I'm sorry. Jeff Tweedy has never been cool. He's been a dad. There's a big difference. And there's nothing wrong. It's way better to be a dad than to be cool. Uh, sometimes. Somet- like, uh, is Nick Cave a dad? Because Nick Cave is the coolest motherfucker possible. Um, I gave Annie uh, a list of like 12 records. She's going to be playing some tunes from this record. No, 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 no. And I kind of like leaned on her heavily like, maybe we should do in, in, in utero. But... um. <laughs> I feel bad because she she writes and performs beautiful music, and this is the opposite of beautiful music. This is the music from a man who killed himself uh, 12, no, 14 months later. They were recorded over two weeks in February. Ooh, let's go back to February 93. What a glorious time. I was a, a ripe old age of 10 years old, so I did not listen to this record when it came out. In fact, um, I got this record a few years later um, when I was a quarterback, starting quarterback, for the Westchester, fuck yeah, you clap for that. I I was the best at rape, so I played quarterback for the Westchester Chargers Pop Warner football team. And then I bought in utero, and I quit that day. That's how much, that this is true. Like, I quit fucking all sports. God forbid we actually stay in shape. No, let's just hate. So I did that forever. And that's that's why like this is like I don't want to like this record. I I, I want to hate this record. And the only time I put it on, besides like prepping for this, is when I'm in an awful awful place. I I've been dating this wonderful woman for many years, and whenever she hears in utero, she's like, "Fuck and see a therapist." And I do now because of <laughs> shit like this. But yeah, this is the record that made me quit sports. And th- the first song on it, "Serve the Servants," is always and forever will be my favorite song of all time because it was my favorite song at 14 
and and I think whatever you listen to at 14, if you're sensitive, means like that's who you are forever. You don't get to pick. These are your formative years, and this is your first formative record. You're gonna love it forever. It could be Hootie. You know what? If it's Hootie and the Blowfish, is whatever record, the one with the Dan Marino video, you're gonna be a banker. You're gonna be fucking well off forever. If your favorite record is in utero, you're gonna do zines. You really want your kids to do zines? Don't buy this record. Buy everything else in this delightful store. Buy, like, the band that never sold 5.8 million records with two songs about abortion. I fucking love this record. Oh, my God. Um, I have a weird job. I get I, I, I host a talk show, and I get to talk to really cool people. And I've been talking to people that have, like, no Nirvana. It's, it's really weird. I got to interview Bobcat Goldweight. And Bobcat opened for in Euro on your... In, Open for Nero. Open for Nirvana on the Nero tour, and he's talked about this recently. And Bobcat and Kurt were like friends, and that's weird. You don't don't really. You got your pills on stage. We have to recreate the entire experience. <laughs> Bobcat thinks that this record is a joke because Kurt Cobain told him it was a joke, and I believe that Bobcat thinks that. This record is not a joke at all. It's the opposite of a joke. It's a joke if you don't swallow bullets 14 months later. It's a fun ruse. But this is sadly, that's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a conspiracy. And by the way, if you think Courtney loves like, oh, Courtney, kill him. She saved his fucking life multiple occasions. Once you save someone's life one time, you get to murder whoever you want in said family. I don't care if she actually murdered him. He tried to kill himself in Milan a month prior. What was going to happen? He didn't write three records of suicide notes. This is the best suicide note, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I was 14 when I got this record. And um, I single parent household, whatever. I never met my dad. And, um, uh, in the, in the first song on this record under a sea of pain and beautiful feedback, it's, I tried hard to have a father, but instead I had a dad. So of course, like, yep, that's it. You're the best ever quit everything, pick up a guitar and fucking make it work. DIY, whatever. And I did that. And, but keep in mind, like, yes, that, like that song, this song specifically means the world to me. It means everything in terms of what rock and roll should stand for. You know, it's like, pretty much saying like i fuck you dad you're a piece of shit also i'm done because i'm gonna be rich for heroin and keep in mind i also own the single of biological didn't bother by shaquille o'neal so it's not like i had the best of taste no i just like songs where you just shit on dad that was my thing and that was the first thing on this album so yay and, and the thing about in euro is like oh, it was a giant departure it was not a giant departure anybody that has the Anything but the first pressing of Nevermind has a secret track on Nevermind. It's called Endless Nameless, and they would close pretty much every show on the Nitro tour with Endless Nameless. Nirvana famously destroyed all of their instruments because that's, that's what heroin does. And it's beautiful, and I loved it, and I've destroyed about eight guitars myself and put in many of bands. I don't have heroin money, so that was a really bad idea. Pretty much this is just a PSA of never to be like Nirvana. Um, one of the things about that song is that's what this song this that's what this album sounds like it's actually not a departure if you're a fan of nirvana moving on to song two (laughs) yeah that's right scentless apprentice um does anybody know the drum beat to scentless apprentice it's uh it's a 
See, I didn't even do that right because I just did it on two legs with two hands. Dave Grohl's got more than two drums, so he would play it on many a drums, and I still don't know how to figure it out. And like I said, high school bands, whatever. Um, we would go to Guitar Center every weekend, specifically the one in Lombard. If you take the Eisenhower and you pretty much go all the way to Hillside and then get off and take Roosevelt down, it's really close to Enchanted Castle. Oh, yeah, I'm white trash. I'm from the western suburbs. Um, so I, we'd go there every weekend in high school, usually twice a weekend, and I would sit behind the electronic drums trying to master that track. I still have no idea how to do it. Um, my favorite line from this song is, Electrolytes smell like semen. Num- debuted at number one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and this is the song where they're trying to be Sonic Youth, and they still aren't. They, Kurt Cobain never understood that if you're in standard tuning and you have a fuzz box pedal, you're not going to sound like Sonic Youth. This is, the, this is the song, to me, that proves rural kids make better art than people that live in New York City. When, you're li- and you, when you live in a place like New York City, it's fun to be weird. You know, it's the thing, but when you're, when you're in fucking podunk seattle and all you could do is shop at kmart the weirdest thing you can get is still going to be hyper accessible and i think that's a very important thing people forget about kurt cobain loved indie shit i swear way too much it's a very big problem i would i apologize ladies and gentlemen kurt cobain loved k records he said all my favorite bands are on k records so we got a k records tattoo not realizing that none of his favorite bands were on k records they were distributed by k records he's a fool I'm so sorry I'm sitting on this stool, by the way. I feel like Mark Maron. That's never a good thing. Heart Shaped Box. First song, um, first single, one of two singles on the record. They're going to play it after I talk crap about it. Crap. Ooh. That's me not swearing. That was a poor substitute. Um, it's, it's only my least favorite song because it was popular. <laughs> I was that kid. I had a Nirvana uh, winter hat with the famous smiley face on it. And um, some kid got it like six months later, a grade below me in grade school. and Or whenever. Yeah, yeah, grade school. I was in eighth grade. He was a seventh grader. And I went up to him and I grilled him about the meaning of that hat. It's the flower sniffing, baby kissing, pussy ripping, corporate rock whores. That's the back of the t-shirt. And he didn't know that. So I screamed at him until he'd never wore it to school again. That's what I did. Um, and I also don't like it um, because... One of the most, well, not the most famous lyric, but he talks about Pisces. He talks about astrology. And my mom reads her horoscope every day, so therefore I'm going to hate this song. But the video, holy shit, the video holds up really well. I rewatched it today. Um, the color is so vibrant. It looks like it's in HD, but it's really not. Jesus is Santa and like 80 billion years old. That's hilarious. Um, they have a crow that mouths along the lyrics to the chorus. That's all. There's a quick cut to that, which I think is the inspiration for the film The Crow. Um, <laughs> every face Kurt Cobain makes into the camera is the basis for Tim and Eric's entire career, comedic career. And it's a hilarious song, and it's really good. Um, it, don't, it took a lot of years to realize that, and that's the first song that you guys are going to play. So, Annie, you're not alone. I want to give you this microphone so you can say who you're with. Uh, I'm with my lovely assistant, Andrew Trim.
Priceless advice. 
Rock Falls, ladies and gentlemen. See, I don't know if I would have liked the music of Rock Falls at 14 because I was dumb. God, you're very, very good. You're very talented. Thank you for existing and doing what you do. Your music is very good. It's almost as good as the famous singer Christina Aguilera, who recently covered that song on The Voice. What? Are you for real? Yeah, Gabe from Dastardly told me. And guys that have red beards don't lie. Um, see, that's the thing. That's a good reason not to kill yourself. Because sooner or later, Christina and Aguilera added a syllable to a name. <laughs> I'm just so... That totally makes sense, of course. I took a photo of a, a Nirvana shirt in the Gap outlet. For, it was $30. That's yeah, That's how it should be. That's that's right. That's exactly how it should be. Don't kill yourself, kids. You're going to end up in the Gap. Um the next song on the album is famously Rape Me or Waif Me if you bought the record at Kmart or Walmart. <laughs> That's not a joke. Um, the, the album came out in September, never forget, of 93. And it wasn't released on CD for a week. It was released only on tape and vinyl because the label didn't think it would sell. It did. It still debuted at number one. Then they released it on CD, but they still wouldn't carry it at the big box chains. And um, Chris and Kurt, I think this is a great thing. They decided to alter the name on the actual record so they would be sold in places like Kmart or Walmart. Because if you're in a small, shitty town, you only have small, shitty stuff. So you end up going to Kmart or Walmart. I bought this record at the Disco Round in North Riverside Mall. I bought every record used for a reason. <laughs> this is before you could steal things. and. Steal things if if you're uh, in a small town. If you're in a city, shop here. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Rate Me wasn't debuted on In Utero. Rate Me was debuted famously. I keep saying famously like you all know this history of Nirvana. I'll get to something else later. At the VMAs, the Video Music Awards, a hotbed of art and culture. <laughs> and... They 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 did this in 1992. This was um this was Nirvana's Nevermind was a, almost a year old. It was like two weeks shy of being a year old. And they were the biggest band in the world. They said no to opening up for Guns N' Roses because they had balls slash thought they would have money forever. And they said no to opening up for the Rolling Stones and U2 and all these famously big bands. So I'm not saying famously. That's stupid me. So they played Rape Me or at least as much as they could before they knew the censors would cut them at the VMAs. They played about a half of the first verse of Rape Me and then went directly into Lithium. YouTube it. It's delightful. <laughs> Chris Novosella closes Lithium, because he's a very smart man, by throwing his bass way up in the air and catching it on his face. And he crawled off stage and was found an hour and a half later in Winger's dressing room drinking champagne with the band. Because that's how you be awesome. That This show is famous for a lot of reasons. This VMA performance in 92. This is off the cuff, which means we're going real long tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Elton John was playing with Guns N' Roses that night. Kurt Cobain was not a big fan of Axel. Before the show, Axel told Kurt to shut up your woman. So Kurt yelled at her, shut up, woman! And they laughed and laughed. Axel tried to push Courtney while holding Frances Bean, their daughter. 
Because Axel's a real Indiana man. <laughs> to get back at Axel, he spit all over this grand piano, a white grand piano, because, of course, it's got to be a white grand piano. Not realizing Elton John was going to play it and not Axel Rose. So Elton John that night played in a lot of Cobain DNA. Um, the only poster I'd ever want of Nirvana does not exist. It's them at these VMAs, the same backstage area, uh, but this is with my favorite person in the world, RuPaul. If you Google RuPaul Nirvana, you will find three gorgeous photos of RuPaul, the band, Francis Bean, Courtney Love, and RuPaul's boyfriend. Oh, God damn, he's this fit Latin man. Jesus Christ. He's wearing a vest, and he looks good. That is hard to do. Love Nirvana. Rate Me is the song that allowed me to get my first two musical instruments without paying for them. Um, that trend continued to this day. I, like I said, Western Suburbs, White Trash, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when you live in an apartment, you don't usually get to play loud music, so the idea of having a guitar and amplifier doesn't really make sense. So what I did was the smart thing to do was to be friends slash the charity case of a lot of people that have more money than me. So um, I found a drummer in high school in my freshman year and the only reason why is because we shared a locker because his last name is Wilhelm and mine is Weatherby so we shared a locker and uh, his friend uh, a very fit soccer player from Riverside Illinois wanted to be in this band that we were starting and he had a bass and a and a bass amp and he came by and we're like well, what songs do you want to play guy who I'm inevitably going to steal from and he said rape me and I fumed because the one rule I had was you never cover Nirvana <laughs> So he starts singing Raimi, but he has no sense of timing. And I belittle him over the course of a half an hour so much that he had never returned to the basement. And I still have that amplifier and bass. Uh, it was a left-handed bass. I drilled in a giant nail, and I learned how to play bass left-handed. Um, that's what Rape Me means to me. Uh, my favorite part of the actual song, Rape Me, uh, eight seconds of ejaculate. Underneath the distortion, like most songs uh, on this record, there's feedback at the end, and underneath of it, you hear ejaculate. The sound of many people ejaculating for eight seconds closes Rape Me. Without further ado, I want to have one of my most beautiful friends <laughs> play that song. I can't believe you... Uh, you guys picked the songs you're going to play. Yeah, we did. I love that you picked this one. <laughs>
I do hope Christina Aguilera covers that on The Voice. <laughs> that would be kind of great if she did. I'm trying to figure out what mic I have right now. Sorry, everybody. Hey, there we go. But, no, you're fantastic. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to mute whatever you need to do. Fantastic. Moving on. Holy shit, we're only on song five. I will move this along. Apparently, we are doing the two-hour version. I, it's a lie. Uh, one of the cool... Oh, I feel so bad for this guy. I told him I'd plug his show at the end of the thing, and now he's literally leaning on this thing, looking so tired. You're so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, still. Oh, the Fugazi show. There's a Girls Rock Fugazi show coming up. Everyone should support that for obvious reasons um, and not the guy that kills himself at 27 because he's sad. Um, Which is this song. Brilliant. Uh, Song five, Francis Farmer will have a revenge on Seattle. Um, This is what I thought love was. I'm not joking. Uh, Francis Farmer was one of Kurt Cobain's um, sort of idols. Uh, She was a famous actress, and she was unwillingly committed to a mental institution uh, Courtney Love was rumored to w- have worn Francis Farmer's original dress on the wedding at the wedding that they had in Hawaii, and that's what I thought love meant. That's not good. In terms of a, in terms of song, it's the closest they ever had to a Pixie song. In terms of structure, it's uh, quite loud, quite loud, quite loud uh, bridge, quite loud, and it's really, really good. And uh, my favorite thing about doing this this specific show is doing research for this. I found a video of them performing this on December 30th, 93 at the Great Western Forum in Inglewood, California. And there's so I've never seen so much disdain for an audience from a musician. It was delightful. I'm going to have you guys set up and play because everyone seems to like you more than me, and I kind of agree with them. So what do you need? Don't. Seriously? Really? I'm good. Uh, what do you need in terms of setup for this one? Just vocals and guitar? Oh, I love you. You're so easy. That sounds bad. Thanks for picking this song, honestly. This is, this is, oh, I love this song. I like all the loud ones. Yay.
That was really good. Thank you. Uh, during that song was the first time I realized, like, oh, Kirk Cobain would have hated this. Oh, it's all, like, nostalgia and thinking. What a dick. Perfect, thought so. Um, okay, dumb is the way we started the band. Uh, in 1998, I went to the Yield Tour from Pearl Jam, yay, white people. And they played Alpine Valley for their Chicago day because they're mean and didn't play actual Chicago. So we got tickets to go to the Pearl Jam, blah, 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 blah. Um, Yield was an okay record. They're all okay. Re- Pearl Jam's never put out a bad record. They've put out like one really good record, no code, and the rest are pretty good. It's like a, it's like all of '70s Neil Young output without any of the greatness. You know what I mean? Like it's like all that's got all the B sides of Neil Young. Not bad. You know. Anyways, we listen to full records because that trip is atrocious. Even though it says it's two hours away, it's really three hours away because it goes down to a one lane highway. And there's a bunch of people trying to get high slash drive to Pearl Jam. So we understand that it takes forever. My best friend's dad drove us in a minivan. It was delightful. And so we listened to what you'd listen to at 15 going to a Pearl Jam concert. We listened to Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins. I sang along to every goddamn record like an asshole. And I feel so bad in retrospect for this wonderful, wonderful firefighter man. This guy owned two motorcycles, has a handlebar mustache, a loving wife and kids, is a fireman, and he didn't beat the shit out of me for singing all of In Utero on the way to Pearl Jam. (laughs) Dumb was the song where they're like, ooh, he can get quiet and sing all sensitive. Let's start a band. And we did. Um, Most Nirvana songs hide the one line that's like really kind of an FU line to the establishment. For example, in Stay Away, at the end they tack on God is Gay, which I think is my favorite line. And it really pissed me off when Spin Magazine did their like 20th anniversary tribute to Nevermind and they had a bunch of people do it and the guy wouldn't sing God is Gay because he's Christian. Well, then just don't cover that song, dick. Um, <laughs> this one, Soul is Cheap. The line is Soul is Cheap. That's fucking brilliant and if once again it sounds like a suicide note it is it's awesome there were two songs that were released in 1993 that prominently featured a cello that were played on modern rock radio this was one and the other one was disarmed by the smashing pumpkins this is the song that you get from two weeks in heroin disarm is the song you get from multiple acid trips and 18 months in the studio with butch vick (laughs) they're not good they're not bad they're just different and i like them both so dumb dumb But I can pretend the sun is gone. But I have a light. The day is done. But I'm having fun. I think I'm dumb. Or maybe just happy. Think I'm just happy. Think I'm just happy. broke but I have some glue help me inhale and mend it with you we'll float around and hang out on clouds then we'll come down and have a hangover have a hangover
sun is gone, but I have a light. My day is done, but I'm having fun. I think I'm done, maybe just happy. music how are you annie we haven't caught up yet i'm great how are you oh weird mood yeah i'm not surprised that you didn't pick any of the other songs that are left except the last one for obvious reasons well we'd picked that one because we figured you know we should yeah absolutely it was, it was another kind of nice closer yeah absolutely you made you you yeah yeah good i'm gonna cut that out of the podcast <laughs> Moving on, very ape. Um, this is uh, sure. Sorry. Fuck you, dude. Um, in utero, thank God had a lyric sheet because this song required them. Um, they're near perfect lyrics. Um, the problem is you have no idea what the fuck he's saying. Um, they're really, really mean and they're really, really clever. And there's absolutely no rhyme scheme, which makes me like it. Um, so you open the book and you look at the book, and it looks like the it looks like Nam happened on a stage. Um, the the inside booklet for In Utero. It, it's uh, Chris Novoselic getting interviewed on MTV, and the, like that TV is on a stage full of like smoke and broken everything. It's perfect. It's exactly what you want to be like see in a live show. And the CD itself, the physical product of it, is a guy in drag, which makes me a huge, huge fan. Um, it's it's uh, it's one of the only few tracks without feedback, and I'm losing people, so I'm going to go faster. Milk It was a different song. This is the song where Gavin Rosdale said, this is how I can make money. I'll use these vocal stylings. And that's what happened. All the, Seriously, if you listen to 16 Stone and then you listen to uh, Milk It, it this is it. The the not like lyrically or like quality. No, 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 no. But in terms of like packaging, like this is the one. Um my favorite lyric, look on the bright side of suicide. <laughs> it's the most Albini like sound. Steve Albini recorded this record. The band, it's not exactly clear if they were happy or not, or the record label told them to change it or whatever. This is the only one where it's really clear that Albini recorded this record. Uh he didn't like overdubs of any sorts and it's very, very obvious that the drums were recorded in a very large room with 30 microphones, as all things should be recorded. And it sounds like it only took two weeks to record because it was only two weeks to record. Penny Royalty, yet another abortion song. Fucking good songs. Uh, all these songs are... Uh, here's, here's, I don't know if he's a fan of Leonard Cohen. Give me a Leonard Cohen afterworld so I can sigh eternally. It's either an amazing insult or a very nice compliment, and you'll never know. Um, also, I'm warm milk and laxative, cherry-flavored antacids. The reason why Kurt Cobain started taking heroin, besides like the obvious depression and all that stuff, he was, he was lactose intolerant, and he never got diagnosed as lactose intolerant, and he had bad stomach pains forever. If you've ever read Come As You Are by Michael Azrad, 
entire chapters are devoted to this. And I've picked up this great conspiracy theory zine called Kurt Cobain was lactose intolerant, saying that the only reason he committed suicide was because his stomach hurt. Kind of makes sense. It, it kind of makes sense. Oh, yay. Radio-friendly unit shifter. Currently, my favorite song from this record, um, the guitar song, Sound, It's not. he's not playing notes. He's getting feedback. That's in my head every morning. That's in my head every morning. I love my life. Um, this was the opener for the In Utero Tour, and I'm not exactly sure why it was in the opener for the album. They had been playing this song before they recorded it. It only makes sense that they would open with something this abrasive. Lyrically, it's not as good, but there are so many perfect lines in it it doesn't really matter i do not want what i've got blanket acne and cigarette burns i know so many zinesters that that line rings true it's insane um all of a sudden my water broke there's so much imagery to you know moms and stuff he talks about climbing back into a womb many a time on the record he's the i don't a lot of people don't know this kurt designed the back cover that's a sculpture that he did in his house and it totally makes sense uh my favorite line, what is wrong with me? Why do I think of things? We only got two more. We're doing it together. We can do this, people. Yes, we can. Tourette's, perfect. It's uh, the only song I've ever had that has lowercase as the start of the song. That doesn't make sense. Start of the song title. That makes more sense. James Fritz is laughing in the bathroom, which means I'm not connecting to any of you, and I apologize for that. This song starts with this line. Moderate rock. And that's perfect. Best way to start a song. Um, the, gu- the guitar in this, uh, at certain points, sounds like a snake charmer. It's very, very good. It's only 90 seconds long. And finally, I've sped this part up. I like how we did like an hour on the first five songs. Fuck the rest. It doesn't matter. All apologies. Um, all apologies. Last song Nirvana ever released. Kind of. Not really. Um, it's It closes in utero. It was written in 1992. Not like the last thing he ever wrote. The last thing they ever released was You Know You're Right. Um, they end a lot differently if you know both of those songs. Um, obviously, my favorite lyric is Everyone is Gay. It's a fun line. It's f- Why not? I'm with you, Kurt. And I think that's the basis for Weezer's Pink Triangle. Um. The last line of the record for the U.S. release is, all in all, is all we are. And that is perfect. You, that is the best line he ever wrote. And it was the perfect send-off. And uh, it's, it's tough because, you know, you're right, uh, which was released on the greatest hits. I'm using very loose quotes here. Uh, was it's, it's good. It ends with pain. He screams pain 14 times in a row. Obviously. It makes sense. I get it. But I don't know if it ever should have been released because it, it is a weird kind of Buddhist positive message. It, it reminds me of a David Lynch film. It's like you don't need to know what everything is, but it all connects. And that's what he was doing with this. Well, when I say he, I mean Kurt. The other guys really didn't matter. Let's be honest. Like, yes, <laughs> Dave Grohl made the band swing. Tr- like, that's what he did. And Chris Novosel kept him from in- taking as much bleach as a heroin substitute. That's why it's called bleach. Look it up. Um, I don't count... The UK version, the UK version of the record um, ends with gallons of rubbing alcohol flow through the strip. Um, I don't include that song because it's awful, and uh, it's it's them being a jazz fusion funk band with l- lyrics that don't make sense. It's fun. It's a fun song. It's intentionally awful, and um, 
it wasn't recorded with Albini, so it doesn't really fit as a unit. But as a as a single entity, all apologies to me. Is the is the musical version of the sled in, in Citizen Kane? It's either you like you either buy it and it's the best movie ever, or you realize like this is a twenty seven year old piece of shit. Either way, it, you know you're right. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's that's um, I hated this fucking song. I really don't like this song at all. Um, it seems too gentle. Uh, it is. It's a really gentle, wonderful sentiment. He. One of the things about this album that really bothers me when people talk about it is they think it's like this sensitive piece of art. It's not. It's this abrasive piece of hatred, but it's not hatred towards the world. It's hatred towards self, which is the scariest sort of hatred. That's like, that's the, it's not the Columbine hatred, but it's definitely the Oklahoma City bombing hatred. It's the kind of hatred that makes you do awful things, even though you want to do good. That's what this record is. And Nirvana, what did Nirvana do in 93? They, they released in Europe. But more importantly, they they programmed a bunch of wonderful shows for Bosnian rape victims that span the musical world. It was hip-hop, it was rock and roll, it was metal, it was, it was wonderful. They had great taste, and all of that got overshadowed because some dumb kid killed himself. So what I'm saying is, if you're going to kill yourself, don't be in a band and waste everybody's time. Just kill yourself. And if you are in a band, now you don't get to kill yourself anymore. I think it's a very fair trade-off. You get to have the best job in the world. I played in so many bands. I fucking toured. I lost money nonstop. But in terms of the time on a stage, it is the most cathartic thing in the world. And this is the record that they released that sounded cathartic in, in a way that no other record they ever released or could ever have released could do a live album is good from the what he makes of which it's a brilliant album drain you i prefer the, the live version of drain you than the recorded version of drain you but it it doesn't sum it up this sums it up it's two weeks in a studio with the guy that was about to kill himself writing the best poetry and i fucking hate poetry please if you're a poet go away i don't get it I'm, i write about the arts i'm supposed to respect you do you have any idea how fucking hard it is to lie every day to poets just look at me this is my poetry appeal like outfit. I'm wearing a goddamn cardigan. I know how I look. It mean it, it was an important record to me. <laughs> Shit on the show. Oh man. Um I'm really glad you actually are going to close with this. Um Annie writes songs um that are different than Nirvana cuz she <laughs> They are, they are. Um, Nirvana, all three records, uh, Sincere Line, Shit Online. Sincere Line, Shit Online. He, he could never be himself. He could never actually say, like, I'm a flawed individual. He could say it with a smirk, and it's not real. Everyone that plays the Joker dies as the Joker. Wink. That didn't make sense. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. I love when Jack Nicholson got mad at Heath Ledger for accepting the role of the Joker, and then when he died, he's like, he deserves it. I love so much that is a lakers fan ladies and gentlemen back to nirvana annie writes these these beautiful songs and one of her songs is i can never hide my memories of you and it's the exact opposite of a song like all apologies it's like what annie does is like literally go here's my heart i don't care if not i don't care if you shit on it but like that's not even a possibility but what kirk cobain does in this song is this is everything I am. By the way, everyone's gay. You know, like he can't, he can never, he can never be okay with who he was. And that's really fucking sad. Kids listening at home in Idaho, don't kill yourself. It's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Are you going to close this thing? Yeah. Well, how are you going to close it? 
You okay? We're gonna mic that. Thank you guys so much for coming. I'm gonna mic her up. Um, buy all the records they have for sale. All the performers were blatantly lied to. We were told we could take everything home, so, and then we find out we can't. Yeah, they don't even have the record. James talked about is out of print and vinyl. <laughs> we're such assholes. Hey, can we have this cool event at your store? Yeah, yeah. Could you pick some records that are in print? Of course. Nope, not at all. But, um, yeah, please support Saki. There's a donation basket. Booze costs a lot of money, and after this show, we need it. And uh, Rock Falls actually does have records. And, like a professional band, they have them for sale here. Other two. <laughs> oh, my God. The woman who's talented actually knows how to deal with business. <laughs> Women. Yeah. They're so much better. One of the... Quick, quick, not aside, completely in time. Kirk Cobain hated men, famously hated men, and that's why I liked him, and that's why I was a women's studies major. That's sad and true. Because you hate yourself, you become a women's studies major. That's some fucked up logic. Choking on the ashes of her enemy. 